Man, good morning, church. Welcome to Celebrate Bible Church. So excited to have each and every one of you. We're going to jump into God's Word right away. Psalms chapter number 40, verse number 1 and 3. The words will be up on the screen as we begin. The Psalms of David are probably part of his greatest legacy. It wasn't just slaying a giant. It was the Psalms that he left us that encourage our hearts. Psalms 40, verses 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. It's easy to wait when the conditions are favorable, isn't it? It's okay to wait. You ever had to get your oil change at the dealership? Hey, as long as they got Wi-Fi and a hot cup of coffee for you, I'm good. I'm good. But if you don't have a comfortable place for me to sit, no Wi-Fi, no coffee, oh, this is a long time of waiting. So we would think, oh, David, this is, he's so good at waiting. But notice what the Bible says in verse number two about his conditions. It says, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Many scholars believe that David wrote this psalm during the time where he was in his wilderness exile while he was running for his life. And so I'd like to read that passage of scripture where David is in hiding. The Bible says in Psalms or 1 Samuel 24, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and the men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of the Lord, which the Lord said to you. Behold, I will deliver you, your enemies, into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. The title of the message is The Power of the Same. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you. We love you. We're thankful that our hearts are are prepared to receive the word. I pray that you would allow us to be servants of you that would follow you. I pray that we'd be committed to you. I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. Thank you for our friends and family that are gathered with us and the guests and new friends that have come. I pray that you would help us and stir our hearts with this message about the power of the same. I pray that you would do a work that I can't do. We ask that your Holy Spirit would minister now, that it would minister comfort to those who need it. Lord, there are those who are in our congregation who aren't feeling well. I pray that you would heal them. There are those who are discouraged. We pray that you would encourage them. There are those here that are lost without Christ. I pray this morning that they would find that knowledge of you. I pray that they would find you. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We're talking about change. And when we talk about change, oftentimes what comes to our mind about change, what comes to my mind about change is starting and stopping. You say, what do you mean when you think of change, starting and stopping? When you think of change, we want to start something and then we stop something. You say, what do you mean? You want to change maybe a habit or you want to change something about your life. You think of it in terms like this. I need to 
stop watching as much TV and I need to start exercising. You think of change, there's something I need to stop and something I need to start. You think I need to stop spending as much and I need to start saving more. We think of change in terms of stopping and starting. Not only do we like that, we also say, you know what? I need to stop eating so much and I need to start a diet. This is the way we think of change. Change, we also say, I need to stop sinning and start not sinning. Or we'll say it like this, I need to stop complaining and start being more grateful. Or whatever, you fill in the blank. I need to stop blank and I need to start blank. We all have them. We all have these things where we think in terms that it's stopping and starting. That's where change happens. But I want to challenge us this morning to look at change in a different way. Because when it comes to real change, it's all about repetition. Real change is about repetition. Or I could say it like this, more of the same. I'm going to do something for just a moment. I'd love to have some audience participation. If you've been married for 30 years, could I have you please stand? You've been married for 30 years. Anybody that's been married for 30 years, can we give them a round of applause real quick? Isn't that incredible? That is awesome. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. You see, if I were to also, I don't mean to be unkind about this next statement, but if you've been married seven times like Elizabeth Taylor... Do you think we would applaud for you? We wouldn't, would we? The reaction would not be the same. Because today we've got it in our mind that we get bored with the basics. We're looking for what's new and next. We're always after what's the new, latest, and greatest. But when in reality, the things we cherish the most have to do with the same. It's my goal to sleep with the same woman all of my life. To stay married to the same woman. It's my goal to stay pastor of the same church. It's my goal to raise the same children. These are my goals. The goals that have to do with the same are what we're actually after. And what happens though, we're looking for starting and stopping instead of thinking about same. You see, there's the power to same. It's when we do the same thing over and over, that's where the power is. Now, I'm not talking about stagnant saying. There's some saying where it just gets stagnant, where we do the same thing and we're kind of like the Dead Sea. We take in, never change, and we stagnate. No, no, no. Nowhere in Scripture does it want us to get stagnant as a believer. We don't just take in knowledge simply to take in knowledge. We take it in so that we can give it out. So we're not talking about a stagnant type of same. We're not also talking about the stupid type of same. You see, what do you mean? It's like this. You walk over to the stove, you know the stove's hot, the light's red or whatnot, and you keep touching it. Out, touch it, out, touch it, out, touch it, out. It's stupid. It's stupid. And some of us have stupid same. We keep dating that same type of boy. We keep dating that same type of girl. We keep betting on the same type of things. We keep going back to the same type of habits. And it's stupid. You need to come to a church that tells you you do stupid things sometimes. Okay? God bless you. You're at a church that will tell you that. That there's a stupid type of same. There are some things that we do and it's just stupid. Not only are there the, the stagnant, there's also stupid. But then there's stubborn same. You won't change for nothing. You're just stubborn. Mm -mm, Not happening. No, no, no. I'm not going to change. I've been doing the same thing day in and day out. And it's just this stubborn. 
But then also we have Skertzaim. This is the children of Israel. They would rather for another 40 years circle a mountain instead of claiming the promises of God. Why? Because they're scared. They're scared. We're talking about a sacred type of same. We're talking about a sacred same. A same that helps us be consistent. You see in this passage of scripture, David, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And if there's anything that I struggle with, and I think today we struggle with in the Silicon Valley, it's this waiting patiently on God to allow him to do the work that he wants to do. Because we want to uh, need a change in the way we think of same and say, Lord, help me to be the same. It's interesting that David, when he's talking about God to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, that he's talking about how there was a bear and then there was a lion that came. And then David says to Saul, the same God who delivered me from the bear and the lion is going to deliver me from this giant. It's the same God. We're thankful that we serve the same God. We're thankful that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the problem is you and I are the one that are changing, not always for the better. And so we need to look at the power of same. Let's not get bored with the basics, but let's say, Lord, what would you have me to do that would be the same? You see, it starts with our patterns though. The problem really lies in our patterns. You say, what do you mean? Our patterns that are constantly doing the same thing, but not thinking through. Wait a minute, is this healthy? Is this, is this the right type of patterns? There's all kinds of patterns. There's weather patterns. There is flight patterns, dress patterns, math patterns, sewing patterns, design patterns, concentric patterns. There's all kinds of patterns. And you and I also have a pattern. David's men wanted him to follow a pattern. It's the get even Stephen pattern. It's the pattern that says, hey, here is an opportunity. Take advantage of it. Go ahead and and deal with Saul like you want to. Saul's been making you hide in caves. Saul has you running for your life. Saul has you separated from your wife, separated from your family. You're in a cave. Come on, deal with this. And sometimes that's the way we approach our problems here now. We have the wrong patterns. The Bible says this in Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there are patterns and there is a world's pattern. And when we're thinking world, it means unchristlike pattern. There are these patterns that we follow that aren't after Christ. And so we've got to deal with the patterns. You see, you don't get the reward of result without embracing routines. Routines. We need these patterns. We need these routines. But the problem is, and it goes back to when I took some golfing lessons. I'm a horrible golfer, and uh, Mr. Gossin knows this. Mr. Fritzke, they know this. They try to help me, but I'm still terrible. But I have fun, all right? I probably lose maybe 12 to 15 golf balls in four or five holes. You know, it's fun. It's, it's not really golf for me. It's ball chasing. That's really what I should call the sport. I just chase the ball. And a lot of good cardio exercise for me, I guess. But when it comes to this thought of uh, of, of working on my golf game, this instructor, I was practicing my swing and I said, man, I'm going to keep working on this. He would show me how to work on my swing, how to get that stroke just right. And he said, now you need to practice this. I said, oh yeah, yeah, I'll practice this because practice makes permanent. And he said, no, 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 not practice makes perfect, but practice makes permanent. So be careful what you practice. Some of us have these patterns that we picked up and we picked up maybe from our family. 
Maybe you grew up in a home where it was just, there was a lot of anger. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was a, a lot of jealousy. Maybe you grew up in a home that had uh, uh, alcohol that just kind of enslaved your family. Maybe there's these patterns and you wonder why you're bound by them because you saw this pattern. And so you're conforming to that pattern. And so the problem with our patterns and dealing with these patterns. So understanding that, wait a minute, it's not just having a routine, but it's repeating the right things until it's a routine. Repeating the right things, doing the right things day in and day out. Oftentimes we don't because we don't like the consistency. Today I hear this all the time from young people. I'm bored. I'm bored. And it's funny, we can hear it in grown adults too. I'm bored with my car. I'm bored with my spouse. I'm bored with my job. I'm bored with my church. I'm bored with my Bible. I'm bored with my God. I'm bored. And we think we need this external stimuli. And so we're chasing something, chasing the next high, chasing the next fix, looking for something and ignoring the power of same. That all throughout the scripture, what does scripture tell us? That one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What is faithful? It means the same. It's interesting that we honor the people that can stay married for 30 years because that truly is a feat in and of itself. And that truly is something we should honor. And so we need to get back to this attitude that we want to encourage the same, that we want to encourage people to say, you know what? Yes, there is such a thing as day in and day out Christianity. Yes, I read my Bible when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. I go to church when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. I stayed in my marriage because there will be days I feel like it, days I won't feel like it. There are days where I feel like acting like a Christian. There will be days I won't feel like acting like a Christian. But I just keep doing the same and I'm not going to fall for the wrong pattern. Because it's easy to revert back to the wrong pattern, isn't it? It's easy to revert back to, guess what? Today the world says, if you don't like your job, just quit, go find another one. If you don't like your spouse, just quit, go find another one. If you don't like something, just fix it, just change it. Instead of saying, wait a minute, there's power in the same. There's power in the same. Because we keep going after these certain things that we really care about. You get better at it. And there's things that you learned from it. So it's dealing, first of all, with that false pattern. And if we don't address the pattern, if we don't just, just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep ignoring the pattern, but actually deal with it, great things can happen. Some of us don't like the product that our life is producing. There are things in your life you don't like that it's producing. But if you don't like the product, you've got to change the pattern. If you don't like what your life is producing, then check the pattern. You say, I don't like how I, I, I'm just not a very happy person. Then check the pattern. I don't like how, man, I just, I'm very cynical. Check the pattern. I don't like how I'm very negative. Check the pattern. I don't like how I don't have a lot of hope and trust in the Lord. Check the pattern. Let's get back to the right pattern. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Hey, David, don't just conform to a pattern that says, hey, here's a great opportunity. Go for it. And it's easy for us to kind of assume that. Instead of stepping back and saying, I want a different product. I want something different out of my life. Albert Einstein says something beautiful. He said, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Sometimes we do that. We keep doing the same thing, same thing. Why is this not working out? Why is this not working out? Why? Why, why, why? And we wonder why. And instead of stepping back and saying, yes, there's a power of saying, but wait a minute, is this the right pattern? Is this the pattern that God wants? We can get stuck in a rut and we keep doing the same thing. And we wonder why the Bible is not alive and fresh to us. 
It's good to change things up. It's good to say, Lord, help me. So when I open the word of God, it's not just the same in a boring kind of way, but it's the same where I'm consistent with it. But yet you're speaking to me. You're speaking life into my heart and into my spirit. Many people, we look at a character like Michael Phelps and just amazed that he's one of the greatest Olympic athletes of all time with 23 medals. And we look at what he did in Rio. We're just amazed by it. But here's the amazing thing about Michael Phelps is that he, every night before he'd go to bed, would visualize a race. Every night. Every night. He would visualize the race. He'd visualize his hand coming into the water and the water leaving his fingertip. He would visualize him winning gold. He would visualize all these things. He could see it. He was training his mind to think in a different pattern. Not to think in a pattern that says you're going to lose, but think in patterns, but then also says, hey, what happens if you don't start out well in the race? He'd play these mental scenarios because he was training his mind to do a different pattern. And we wonder why he did so well in the gold Olympics, in the Olympics and won gold. One of the commentators came up to him after one of his races and says, hey, you won gold. What did it feel like? He said, kind of anticlimactic because I've won gold so many times in my mind. He said, I've seen it so many times. I've pictured it. I've played it through in my mind. I've trained my mind to have a different pattern. Starts with a thinking pattern. So the problem really is our pattern. So what are your patterns? We call them routines. We call them habits. What are your routines? Some of us, we have a hard time getting up and getting to church because we have unhealthy patterns. You say, what do you mean? Well, we watch Netflix till 2 a.m. We drank a bunch of uh, Mountain Dew. We couldn't sleep all that well. So when it came time to get up at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock, we couldn't get up. And there was not enough caffeine in the church to get me going. And so we fall asleep in the church. Why? We have a bad pattern. Some of us say, I'm just not very focused at work. I just have a hard time focusing at work. Why? Because when it comes to work, we're so rushed in the morning. We're so uh, in haste in the morning, we're, we're running red lights and we're honking at people and we're giving people the number one finger and uh, we're doing all these things. And instead of coming to work ready and mentally prepared, we just show up and we're just like, I just can't focus. I just can't focus. Yeah, you're all stressed out because you didn't, you didn't change the pattern. You didn't change. Instead of looking at your life saying, I don't like the result, you just keep doing the same thing. And you think one of these days, it's just going to happen. And some of you are even thinking, Man, I just don't know why God doesn't fix this. No, God wants us to change the pattern of our world. Because no matter how hard, uh, how hard you work, your heart can't outdo what habit has created. Your heart is not going to overcome your habits. Some of us have developed these habits. We're like, how come my heart just can't overcome this? No, no, no. It's not, it's not it. You've, you put in this routine. So the problem is a pattern. So deal with the pattern. Not only that, but there is the power of persistence. What separates one-hit wonders from actual winners? Have you noticed that? What separates the person that they have this meteoric rise, but they can't sustain it? It's the power of our persistence. See, diligence makes the difference. It really does. You see, David, he was anointed king in chapter 15, but he's not going to be appointed king until 2 Samuel. It's not even going to happen in the same book. It's over 10 years later that he's finally going to be anointed. So there's got to be some persistence. So this is where the power of same falls in. We're in a culture and a society that says, come on, move jobs, move houses, change things, just constantly new. And matter of fact, we even do this. You'll talk to somebody, you'll say, how are you doing? And I catch myself doing the same thing. Oh, I'm busy. Like, what does that mean? I'm busy. 
All of us are busy. We wear busy like a badge in the Bay Area. Like I'm more important than you because I'm busy. You could be busy watching Netflix. You could be busy playing video games. I know some of you people on your video games. Uh huh. Yeah, don't look at me. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, you got them. And we could be busy. I don't know what. We just say, I'm busy. But wait a minute. Are we busy in the right things? Diligence does make a difference, but diligence in things that matter. It's interesting. If you were to go to John chapter number 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching this amazing passage. Verses 1 through 8 is all about the passage about the vine and the grapes. And it's this passage. What's amazing about this passage, there's one word that keeps coming up. Some translations call it the word abide. Some translations use the word remain. But the word means the same thing. It means the same. Just Sticking to it, just staying, just being faithful. Why? Because there is power in persistence. The Bible says that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. You are already clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Oftentimes we like to treat God like a vending machine and not the vine. We want right now, instant, right now. Come on. Come on, God. I'm waiting too long. And there's a power in perseverance. There's a power in persevering through the difficult years raising children. There's power in perseverance in the difficult years in your marriage. There's a power in perseverance in in waiting through the difficult season in the life of a church. There's a power in perseverance in waiting through these difficult seasons. Why? Because there's something special that God does in the difficult seasons. David said, I waited patiently on God. And then because he waited patiently on God, he got to see God put him in a place of influence. He said he had set me on a rock. David never would have gotten to be at that point of being on a rock unless he had waited patiently. Some of us, we want the reward, we want the results, but we're not willing to have the routine that supports it. We just want success. It's amazing. You'll look at sports athletes. You'll look at uh, uh, anybody successful in business and you'll say something like this. Oh, wow. Overnight success. There's no such thing as an overnight success. There's no such thing. You think, oh, that just happened. No, no, no. They worked for it. You see, success is not glamorous. It's gritty. It really is. Any success in your relationship, any success in the church, any success in your spiritual growth, any success you see, it's going to take some grit. It's going to take some perseverance. It's going to take what the Bible says to remain or abide because you don't get fruit without remaining. You don't get the reward without abiding. And yet we live in a culture and a society that says, if I get hurt, I get offended, I'm gone. And we don't know how to remain. God says there's going to be seasons where you did nothing wrong and I'm still going to cut you back. Do you understand that principle? That there will be seasons, Christian, that you will have followed God exactly as he wanted you to follow him. And he's still going to cut you back. He may still let you lose your job. He may still let you get a bad diagnosis at the doctor. There are seasons that God says it's for your growth that you can produce more fruit, but will you have the power of perseverance? Because there's a pattern and the pattern of this world says quit, give up, walk away. And Satan, he'll tell you that. 
He'll come and just whisper that, hey, you're, you've done enough. You put in your time. Just walk away. Just finish it. You don't have to. You deserve better. Because we live in a day and age where we've replaced God at the center of our lives and we put self there. Some people say it like this. We live in a selfie-centered world. Everything's about the self. Self-help, self-improvement, self-esteem, self-assessment. Everything is about ourselves. And God says your self is not big enough to sustain you. See, the secret to our success is the source. And God in John 15 says, I am the source, not you. So remain, stay, don't walk away, don't give up. And if there's been a season where you have quit, get back up, dust yourself off, and walk through it again. David has a long time before he's going to get to see the throne. So he's going to need some perseverance. You see, a lot of times we have the faith to step out. And that faith is worthless without the faithfulness to stick it out. If you say, well, I've got faith to step out, but you're not sticking it out, it's worthless. We don't honor people that stand up after five months worth of marriage. No, it's five, 10, 15, 20 years. We honor the people that have some perseverance, the people that stayed, the people that worked at it. Because every promise, write this down, church, because if you don't write it down, we charge you for the bulletin. They're $50, all right? So write it down. Every promise requires persistence. I'm on a Michael Phelps kick. Apologize, I read the book. Bob Bowman, anybody ever heard the name? I didn't think so. It's Michael Phelps's coach. There would be no Michael Phelps without a Bob Bowman. You say, what's so great about Bob Bowman? Bob Bowman told Michael Phelps, he says, yes, you have an 80-inch wingspan, but that's not enough to win gold. 80 inches wingspan, fingertip to fingertip, 80 inches. The guy was born to swim. He's incredible. And man, when you see Michael Phelps speed through the water, the guy is a torpedo. But Bob Bowman told him this. He said, Michael, you've got to still work like nobody else if you want to see the rewards that nobody else gets to see. So Michael Phelps prepared for the 2004 Olympic Games. Did you know he practiced 365 days a year? He practiced on Christmas. He swam. Birthdays, he swam. When he was sick, he swam. When he felt good, he swam. Holidays, he swam. Every day, he swam. Never stop, never stop, never stop, never stop. But we live in a world that says as Christians, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm so worn. Oh, my spirit. I'm just ready to give up. Wait a minute. Keep persevering. David did had an opportunity to say, I'm done waiting. I'm done waiting. I've waited long enough. Come on, this merger's been two and a half months. It should all be fixed by now. Come on, I'm done waiting. And just instead of persevering, instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm in the middle that God is doing something. I'm going to quit now. I'm going to give up now. I'm going to walk away from my kids at four and six now. Really? The best days are yet to be because we serve a great God and he's got great things on the horizon, but I'm going to walk away now. This is exactly what Satan wants for me to quit now. Right now. But it's the amazing thing is there's the power in same. Great things happen when we remain, when we abide. That's where the fruit is. That's God's promise. If you remain in me and I and you, the vine will bring forth fruit, but not just fruit. The Bible says much fruit. Much fruit. That's what we want. We want to see fruit to God's glory. We want to see God do something. But the secret is where we remain, where we abide. 
You see, doing the same doesn't mean they'll stay in the same. God will do a work through you. He will cleanse you. He will do great things. But if we're going to remain, we have to do the third and final thing, and that's practice the pause. Practice the pause. Do I have any NASCAR fans in the house? Any? We got one, two, three, four. Almost there. All right. There we go. NASCAR is a neat sport, but we're kind of out of the loop in California. We're kind of too cool for NASCAR. We need a couple Southerners, you know, and NASCAR is real big, you know. Uh, get yourself a moon pie and some RC cola and watch NASCAR. That's just what you do, all right? And so when it comes to NASCAR, you will never see a NASCAR race without the winner, winning car doing something. It's called a pit stop. You cannot win if you don't hit the pit stop. It's called the power of the pause. We live in a culture and a society that says, go, 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 burn yourself out, go hard, go hard, go hard, 90 miles an hour, and man, that is me to a T. You can know me for five minutes, and one person said, he doesn't drink his coffee unleaded. I mean, it's, it's like he just uncaffeinated, he just goes, just goes, doesn't stop. But what I'm learning is there's power in the pause. David, something happened. He cuts a little piece of Saul's robe. And the Bible says something in his spirit, something in his heart just said, oh, ooh, don't do that. It's interesting. He pauses. He cuts a little piece of the rope, and there's a check in his spirit. And then he begins to think. At that moment, he pauses. He has the chance to take, take Saul out. He, he's got a knife. He's got a spear. He can end Saul right then and there, take the kingdom. But he pauses. And in that pause, God begins to speak. And God begins to tell him, touch, don't touch my anointed. He's still anointed. Don't touch him. And then David's able to still his men. Isn't it interesting as you read the Psalms, there's something that comes up over and over in the Psalms, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God. You see, it's one thing to persevere, it's one thing to change the pattern, but it's another thing entirely to learn the power of a pause, to learn to say, wait a minute, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, something's going on here, and just step back and say, wait a minute, let's pause. Somebody wants to ask you something, somebody's disgruntled about something, wait a minute, just the pause. I don't have to be dictated by your emergency. I don't have to let this take over my life. I'm going to practice the pause. Somebody asked me something about this this week, said we need to make a decision. And I said, actually, I don't think we need to. You see, sometimes Satan, that's his greatest goal, isn't it? To get you to make a decision, a hurried decision. You know, science says we always regret a hurried decision, even if it's the right decision. You will feel regret over a decision that you make, even if it's the right decision, because there's something in the brain that says, I just didn't have enough time to process it. You say, what do you mean? It's like this. You're at the drive-thru and your spouse is saying, come on, order, order, order. I'll take a cheeseburger. And you're like, why did I get a cheeseburger? I'm lactose intolerant. I know I'm lactose intolerant. Why did I get the cheeseburger? We always regret those hasty decisions. Always. Even if it's a right decision. So it's the power of the pause. Giving ourselves some time to say, wait a minute. Is this what God wants? What I'm about to write on the email, is this what God wants? What I'm about to say to my coworkers, this is what God wants. My wife and I are in an argument, and she's talking to me, and I'm thinking about how to uh, 
What am I going to save back? I got a humdinger just ready to zipper with. Instead, I'm going to practice the pause. Because there's power in the pause. There's power in saying, let's give God room to work. It's a hard thing. We do these things in the gym. It's called planking. It's miserable. You say, what do you mean planking? You get down and you kind of lay down like you're going to do a push-up. And you do the push-up. And once your arms are locked out, you hold it. For some arbitrary time until your coach just feels like your torture is done. He just wants you to stay locked out in the hold as long as he pleases. And if he's upset or mad, it's going to be a long time. And it's planking. And you just hold it. And it's just a pause. But it's in those long pauses where you're persevering. And God says, I'm doing my greatest work through this pause. Because that's where the muscles are under so much stress. That's when the core is heating up. And you feel like, I just can't do this. And God begins to take your endurance. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa. Last time, I could only hold it for 30 seconds. This time, I'm at 45 seconds. I'm at a minute. I'm going farther, doing more than I ever thought possible. Why? Because I'm learning the power of the pause. Oh, Christian, have you learned the power of the pause? You don't have to say everything that pops into your head. You don't have to do everything that pops into your mind. But if we would step back as a church and say, wait a minute. There's the power in the same. But if I'm going to continue to do the same, there's the power in the pause. To be still and know that I am God. But you say, it's taking too long. I know. I've noticed some of the best things in life take a long time. Some of you that have been married for 30 years like your marriage now better than you did the first year. You say, why? Over 30 years, you get pretty good at marriage. Some of you like your job now better than the first day you started. Why? Because you've gotten better at it. Some of you like being around your children now more than when you first had children. Because why? You've gotten really good at being a parent. Some of you love God's word now more than ever. Why? Because you've had 30 years to study it and to love it and to fall in love with God and his word. The greatest things in life come with same. And we live in a culture that says, no, 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 you've got the wrong pattern. It's not about the same. Same ain't sexy. And if you don't like I said sexy in church, just email me. It's wcraig at Celebrate Bible Church and complain. <laughs> so when it comes to doing the same thing, we need to say, Lord, help me to have your values. Remember last week's message? My ideal, maybe not God's ideals. And it's coming back and saying, Lord, help me to have your ideals. So we're practicing the pause. We're driven by a sense that our destiny has deadlines. You ever just been that inner drive? We live in an area that just has this inner drive. It's just go, go, go. And we're not taking time to just be still. To say, Lord, in this moment, I need you in this moment. Creating space for God to work. Oh, Christian, if we don't create that space, we're missing out on an opportunity for God to work. Because we're so go. And in this area, the Silicon Valley, it is a go, go, hard charging area. And if you don't say, I'm busy... Somebody thinks you're lazy. That's why we say I'm busy. How are you doing? How are things going? How was your week? Oh, I was busy. Because if you just say, actually, I got to take my wife out. We just had a nice talk. What'd you guys do? No, we just walked. You know what? I got down on the floor and I just wrestled with my kids for a couple hours. I didn't just hand them an iPad and turn on Netflix. You know what? I called a family member I hadn't talked to in a long time. 
You know what? I had some extra time this weekend, and so I just opened my Bible, grabbed a cup of coffee, and I just sat there in my backyard, and I just had some time with God. That doesn't sound real good when you tell your coworkers you did that. So we'd rather say I was busy. Because the truth of the matter is, the things that really matter, we often neglect. Because oftentimes, I know what busy is. Saturday was college football. Saturday was shopping. Saturday was trying to think about Monday's projects. And we totally missed some great opportunities. And so, yeah, we were busy. But we, did we do things that really mattered? And you're saying, but it's taking too long. Second Samuel 5, 4 says, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. It was over 15 years of preparation for a 40-year reign. And David is arguably one of the greatest kings in the nation of Israel. Yeah, he had some mistakes. He did some dumb things. Scripture doesn't, doesn't blot those out. You and I, we know about them. But God says, hey, David, I'm going to prepare you, and I'm going to spend a lot of time preparing you so that you can have a kingdom that really makes it, so we can really set up your reign. So it's going to take a while. But would you write this down? Would you write down, it may take a while, but it's going to be worth my while? It may take a while, but it's going to be worth my while. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Don't give up. Remain. Let's all stand. The challenge this morning is to be persistent, to continue to be the same, to allow God to do the same work, to not resist it, but to allow God to speak to our hearts, to speak life into our hearts, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to be the same. Oh, Christian, will you be the same? Will you let God do a great work in you? Every head bowed and every eye closed. We struggle with this in the Bay Area. We're constantly looking for something new. But how many this morning you say, you know what? Pray for me that I just persevere. That I would just be the same. Is there anybody like that? You just slip up your hand. I can pray for you. I see those hands. Amen. Just, Just the same. Persevere. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the same, but maybe there's somebody here and you're saying, you know what? I don't even know what the right things to persevere in. I'm just here and I'm a skeptic. I'm lost. I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus. And maybe you're here and this is the first time you're hearing about the fact that there's a risen Savior who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, was put in a borrowed tomb and arose three days later. And he lives for you and me. And this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to receive him. So anybody like that, you say, I want to know him this morning. Anybody? If at any time you do want to pray with somebody, you let us know. We're here. Father, you're so good. You're at work. And Lord, we can't be faithful. We can't be consistent without your power and strength flowing through us. Help us to be like David and just be consistent. To be the same. To be like the branch that we will abide. We will remain. There's power in the same. Lord, help us this morning. Help us to defy the pattern of this world that says we've got to go for the new and next. Oh, Lord, you're a source of strength. We can't do it without you. 
We cry out for you this morning. We need you desperately. I pray for those that raised their hands and said, I just need help in persevering and being the same. To not quit too soon, to not walk away too soon. That I'm going to be the same day in and day out, no matter what comes, storms, trials, troubles, temptations. That I'm going to be faithful to my God. I'm going to be faithful whatever he's called me to. Whatever he wants to do through me, I'm yielded to it. I'm accepting his perfect will for my life. And I will follow it. I will persevere. Help us this morning. Lord, your word says, if we've been wearied by the footmen, how can we run with the horses? Help us not to be weary in well-doing. 